0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Ice House Podcast. Sarah Mazingo.
1: And Jeremy Grunsteiner.
0: And we're going to talk to you all about fitness.
1: And other <laughs> fitness-related <laughs> and adjacent items.
0: Today we are talking about the training hierarchy. And what, if we were to have like a human that just walked in and they were like, I want to be uh, the best physical specimen I could be. We're starting with a blank slate. This is where we would start and walk Mm -hmm. them through. And we take parts of this with everybody that comes to the gym and we utilize parts of this uh, throughout everybody's journey. And we're looking at this from a injury prevention standpoint as well as a training standpoint. So two things kind of go hand in hand when somebody walks in. The first thing after they've gone through a movement assessment, we're gonna look at, and part of what the movement assessment tells us is their flexibility how much range of motion do they have in a joint? And it'll tell us flexibility and mobility. So two of the very first things that we look at when somebody walks into a gym is how much flexibility or range of motion do they have? And what is their aerobic capacity look like? And uh, those two things can tell us a lot about a human. Mm -hmm. We can tell like age and all of that kind of factor in. So if this is a younger person and they have a lot of limited areas on the movement assessment. We're just diving right into everybody. Um, mm-hmm. I like to think of them, if there's been no like catastrophic things in their life. They've just been like, they went from college to a desk job and now they're like, oh, I should probably work on my fitness. I like to think of them like a cold stick of butter. Um,
1: Doesn't quite move but it might after it gets a little bit warm
0: yeah once we get them a little bit warm they start moving a little more consistently then they just like loosen up and that range of motion that flexibility comes back a little quicker if this person is in their 50s 60s 70s sometimes we see athletes in their 70s come to us that cold stick of butter is like frozen and so, first we have to
1: get into like... It's got a little bite taken out of it.
0: <laughs> and so, that journey to finding flexibility and range of motion might be a little bit longer.
1: Mm-hmm. And it may look a lot different as well, as uh, what the actual end result
0: absolutely and so we may never achieve full fluid range of motion just because uh, wear and tear on the joints um if they've been moving in a dysfunctional pattern for a very long time we're gonna get it better it just might not look like the 28 year old that walks in that was now squatting and sitting in the bottom of a squat with no problems
1: right Absolutely. or so-
0: hanging from a pull-up
1: bar I'm um, gonna pop right in here there are two things that you made mention of right at the beginning and you've been talking about the flexibility and how this yeah. is related to the movement assessment yeah um, but you also said mobility yeah uh, I know there's likely a lot of confusion out there in the world um, with maybe our audience maybe not but just to set the record straight,
0: those are not the same thing.
1: Exactly what I was gonna ask. What is yeah. what is the difference between those two?
0: Um, so flexibility is static. So I like to use like your index finger, for example. If I put my index finger down on the table, and I take, uh, sorry, if I put my hand flat on the table, so palm down, hand flat on the table, and I, I take my other hand, and I pull my index finger back as far as I can for that range of motion, that's how much flexibility I have in that joint. Like I can pull it, uh, Close to 90 degrees. However, if I try to just lift my finger on my own, um, I get it to about 45 degrees. So flexibility is how much passive range. How much can I pull that finger back? That's my flexibility. Mobility is active range. How much can I, without assistance, pull my finger back? And so when we look at a joint, we may have flexibility of a joint. Um, We see this a lot in the shoulder. Um, I think that's where I see it the most, is raise your arm up over your head. And a lot of times we can, especially for people that have done a lot with their shoulders or have sat for a very long time and don't raise their arms up over their head, on their own, they may be be able to get their shoulder um, to where their bicep is like at their cheek. Right. So it's just not quite all the way up over their head. However, with some assistance from a coach that knows what they're doing, we could pull that back and they have the flexibility in the joint. They just don't have the muscular control of the joint. Mm -hmm. And so those are big things we look at in the movement assessment. And two of our shoulder tests, one's laying down um, for that reason. And another one is standing up and it is one is gravity assisted. I would say it's not even like I don't need to pull your arm down uh, but gravity does a great job the other one is a more of a mobility test when we look at flexibility without mobility uh, we can look at there can be some issues in the joint it kind of tells us that maybe the surrounding musculature is tight short limited in some way if we have too flexible of a joint that can also tell us that we need to strengthen some of the muscles around that joint to keep it from possible dislocation, possible things like that. So that is one of the big, big keys we get with the movement assessment is testing those differences. Flexibility, you can have flexibility without mobility but you can't have mobility without flexibility. And so with that, uh, we wanna make sure that our base is in flexibility. Because if I can have the flexibility, then I can gain the mobility in that joint.
1: One of the pieces with mobility as well is looking at, you may have the flexibility to do so, but say this may be a rare instance of it. Say you had an injury in that area. Mm -hmm. You have the passive range of motion. Doing something, let's say looking at flexibility in the lower back and you had an injury deadlifting. Absolutely. And, uh, because of that past injury, the body is feeling like, oh, we are in a spot that we aren't comfortable in Yeah. with load. Yep. Absolutely. And so being able to look at that aspect of mobility as well, beyond the initial movement assessment and yeah. knowing how to deal with that as coaches is highly valuable.
0: Absolutely, and allowing yourself to train in those range of motions that will build uh, the mobility over time and not just slamming the joint into, into a, an improper place where it's not ready for. Mm-hmm. And there's two parts of that, and we won't dive into this completely right now, but there's the physical part of it, right? And then there's the mental part of it. And once you've sustained injury, the mental part of it spikes higher than people realize your your brain is going full send to protect that area Mm -hmm. it does not want to experience that and if you've had that you know you're like I you know that's where the statements of I can't do this I can't do that I can't last time oh gosh Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like a little hamstring wheel
1: yeah
0: and that's something that we can definitely talk more about on a different episode. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that we look at is not only uh, flexibility and range of motion, but is cardiovascular endurance. And for a lot of people, that's the base that they need to build on. When we look at that, we look at like if we have somebody that comes in and we take them through a baseline workout, it's a, a, like a four to six minutes to do the baseline is a, is a great score for the baseline that we have somebody comes in and it's taking them 10 minutes to go through that we're not going to put that athlete into high intensity interval training on day two right like that's just going to blow them up and
1: so it's also going to be very discouraging absolutely it's it's not going to be fun for anybody
0: and so using the tools in the assessment and in the baseline to really set them up for success in their training And from there, we've talked about this a lot, but we look at mobility. We look at really gaining strength around the joints and gaining strength in general for most people. The majority of people that come to us have lost track of their fitness or have never fitnessed, or um, have put uh, other things in life as a higher priority. And Mm -hmm. so when they're coming back to it, it's all about building that base of strength and aerobic capacity to start with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you think about uh, how we operate throughout the day, getting really nerdy into the energy system side of it, uh, but people talk about aerobics or aerobic capacity. If you're out listening while you're on a walk, if you're sitting at your desk listening to us, driving in the car, you are prioritizing your aerobic system right now. Mm -hmm. And it's the thing that we live in the most. And if we can optimize that further or push that capacity even further, it's gonna give us the widest space possible to build everything else on top of it.
0: Absolutely.
1: Including, and this is for my weightlifters, peak strength and power.
0: Yeah, it is. It's definitely the foundation. I think it gets lost a lot, especially in our strength sport athletes. Mm -hmm. They're like, why am I sitting on a rower when I'm trying to lift heavy? And if we don't have that foundation, that strength isn't gonna last as long as it would if we did have that foundation.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you become the the caricature that of lifters that are winded going up stairs yeah. or any sort of moderate level of work.
0: And even though it's a you know, if we look at a strength sport, so we're referring to like Olympic lifting or power lifting or, or um, something that requires a strong man, something that requires massive amounts of strength. Um, and that output is very, very quick. In a typical power lifting meet, there are nine max attempts. In a uh, weight lifting meet, there are six max attempts. And so six lifts in the course of for weightlifting it can be as short as like
1: an hour hour and a half yeah
0: Yeah. (laughs) on platform it can be like 10 minutes Mm -hmm. (laughs) depending on where where you're at in the in the cycle but and so when we look at that we need peak expression of power and without some type of aerobic base we're just building like a, I always like to picture it like a house on a coast. Like they just have the little pillars that they're on. They don't have like a good solid foundation and a good storm comes in and it's over.
1: Or it could be like, uh, just came to me, Lean Tower of Pisa, where it's just really, really tall and it's leaning lean, lean and over. And over.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's about to go. And so when we have that, that base to build off of, even though uh, it, it's only, quote unquote, only six or nine attempts, there's still an aerobic piece to that. There's still a warm-up piece to that. Mm-hmm. There's still a, you know, you're taking attempts. If you look at a solid lifter's warm-up, um, it could be 10 to 12 attempts before they hit the platform, or more than that, depending on the lifter. Somebody like me, I need 15 attempts because it just takes me longer to get warm. So, looking at having that base allows us to like, oh, just crush through those and be solid. Mm-hmm. So the other thing that that we're talking about with this part of the so we have the flexibility we're building mobility is looking at having just a general base of strength and so that's where we bring in the squat press and the deadlift and all the variations of those lifts i would say it's very rarely that somebody comes in and we barbell deadlift on the second day it is all about learning that hinge pattern, that squat pattern and the press pattern. Mm-hmm. And when we can look at those those areas and we build just general strength around the joints, um, that's gonna look like things like, you know, Romanian deadlifts with a kettlebell. That might look like a good morning with a PVC pipe. If you haven't moved your body in a long amount of time, it's baby steps into it. And that also allows us to, to build the movement pattern foundation. And so we're teaching you all the awesomeness about movement, right? And how to do it properly. And why do we squat below parallel if it's possible? Why do we press straight overhead if it's possible? When is it appropriate to use a, a dumbbell over a barbell or a landmine, right? Mm-hmm. And so learning those tools to start building your autonomy and lifting and, and taking care of yourself
1: is huge. It is. And to echo back to what you said about doing things like PVCs with a, or doing good mornings with a PVC, I know that there there may be some people out there that would hear that and say, well, but I thought I was here to get stronger. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I get it. You're teaching me the, the technique or the form. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I want to stay safe, but there's always a but in there. <laughs> um, being able to look at it from the lens this is something that's been helpful helpful for me looking at things through the lens of it's relative if i was not lifting anything yesterday and i'm lifting a pvc today it is an improvement and just because i'm on day one of my journey versus somebody else who may be on day ten thousand of their journey it's easy to make that comparison and start to get really down on yourself because of that comparison Oh, they're doing a good morning with a barbell and a whole bunch of weights on it. I want to do that, but not seeing the work that gets put into that.
0: Absolutely. And I think the other thing that over time throughout your lifting journey, I would say most of my athletes are more terrified when I pull out five pound weights than when I pull out 50 pound Absolutely.
1: weights. <laughs> the amount of people that I've made very upset with a PVC press. always amazes me.
0: Yeah, so uh, like Jeremy said, it's relative and you can get worked with a PVC. I have gotten worked
1: with a PVC. Absolutely, being able to set the intent and know the intent of what we're trying to achieve.
0: Yeah, and the part that gets skipped over is a lot of times people want to jump to the big weight because it's shiny and it's sexy and it's all those things. And um, if you don't have the foundation of a PVC, It's gonna do you no good. Um, It's gonna end up, 80% of the time, it ends up back at the PVC anyway, you know? And something we like to talk about is if you can't breathe in a position, you don't really own that position. You don't really have the tools to move past that specific thing you're working with, Mm -hmm. right? We see this a lot. I'm gonna digress a little bit with a kipping pull up. If you can't hold your chin above the bar for 10 to 15 seconds and breathe in that position and calmly breathe in that position, you don't have the strength to support what you're trying to do. You have momentum to support Mm -hmm. what you're trying to do. But that's something we see a lot is, like we have some athletes that, one of our athletes right now is competing in the sport of fitness, right? That's his goal, that's what he wants to do. And it came to like one of his events has a handstand walk He is back on the wall Mm -hmm. and he is learning how to breathe upside down. He is learning how to breathe and take one hand off the ground and touch his his thigh.
1: And what does that feel like? And what's the timing have to be like? Yeah. Things that are innate to us, walking on our feet, feet. (laughs) not so much the other way around.
0: And that's an extreme example, right? But that's his goal is to compete in the sport of fitness. But we didn't just toss him upside down and say, learn how to walk. Right? It was a progression. It started with him upside down and shifting his weight from one hand to the other hand, and one hand to the other hand. And from there, it went to a shoulder tap. And Mm -hmm. from there, it went to tapping his
1: leg.
0: Yeah, tapping his hip, and then to his leg, right? And so learning that progression and learning how to breathe in the position tells us that when he does walk on his hands because he will he can do that and he can do that under duress which is what the sport of fitness is right it's it's how how exhausted can we make you and still make you do things
1: yeah. how fast can you recover from it
0: yeah yeah and so When we look at that from a longevity piece, like our 70 year old, we're starting with, can you balance on one foot for 30 seconds? then can you balance on the other foot for 30 seconds, right? Can you play catch while you're balancing on your foot? Because for them, their quote unquote sport of fitness is life. And so when we look at uneven sidewalks, uneven pavements, if your grandkids are over and they're running around and it's, it's all wobbly and weird and it gets stressed, can you maintain balance? And it's a very similar journey, uh, just with a different outcome. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and yeah. even throwing it back to our lifting talk, yeah. Being able to do something like a paused back squat mm. and hang out in the bottom and not just be- Not
0: you know, turn, just purple. Just turn purple. Turn <laughs> purple,
1: holding your breath, uh, or be passively just, well, I'm here at the bar, the barbell is crushing me and yeah. I can hang out here for a while, but I'm not sure how long, or if I can stand up from it. Yeah, Being able to actively push yourself into there, still have tension on the body and still be able to breathe, yeah. it's difficult but it really shows that that person has that ownership of that bottom position of the squat.
0: Yeah. And so when we're able to, it may seem like we're slowing down training, right? It may feel like it's taking a while to get to the end goal, which again is relative usually what's taking a longer is like two months out of your whole training world mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know <laughs> or an extra week or ne- <laughs> another day on,
0: yeah depending on who you are and so what that's doing though is it's it's showing you and it's allowing you to feel what a position is instead of just like check a box on a position
1: passing through it
0: Yeah. And when you can start to feel movement and you can start to feel like if when we talk about the cardiovascular endurance part of it, when you know what it feels like to walk at a a brisk pace versus a regular pace, when you know what it feels like to run a 400 and then be able to repeat that pace because you know what it feels like, it's not just a whim, you can collapse the time it takes to get to your goals Mm -hmm. because you know what it should feel like. And then when you do something and it feels off, it's like, ooh, that was weird, let me try that again. Oh, now we're back, Mm -hmm. right? Or ooh, feels weird again, let's look at that. Right, It, it gives you a better cue than just, I don't know, felt fine.
1: I did some work. Yeah, great. (laughs) <laughs> check.
0: Yeah, check give that me box. My,
1: give me my achievement, my goal, please. <laughs>
0: give me my fitness, please. Yes. <laughs> and so it's a different way of approaching training for sure than mm-hmm. a lot of people are used to. A lot of people aren't used to ask, getting asked, how does that feel? What does that feel like? Where do you feel that? And there's a lot of times as we move our way up the triangle, our next one is strength balance. So when we look at the pyramid, it may feel good on one side and not feel good on the other side or it may feel really easy on one side and like holy buckets on the other side and so that's when we bring in looking at strength balance right right we've got we've got flexibility we've got mobility we've got a little aerobic conditioning we're starting to build some strength and now are we even while we build some strength and one of our big, big reasons of getting away from so much barbell activity is because if my right leg is stronger and I'm squatting, my right leg is gonna stay stronger while I'm squatting.
1: Mm-hmm. And what kind of tissues get injured?
0: It just affects the whole chain. And that's something that people don't realize is it's the, the body is so interconnected. Mm-hmm. So if my right leg is stronger in a squat, that could be why my left shoulder hurts when I do anything overhead. And it's so wild. And it's so true Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so when we look at strength balance we're looking at that from not only right leg left leg right we're also looking at that from like push-pull and all different angles of strength balance right
1: and not even just left right push-pull but you can also look front back absolutely yeah
0: yeah and to balance somebody out that's where and the reason why we made a shift away from barbells and more to dumbbells kettlebells landmines different movement planes of motion we do a lot of rotational strength is because as we as we get stuck in an an imbalance over time that's really going to show up and I would say a strength balance, once, once you test for it, you know. Not having a test for strength balance and trying to figure out why your hip hurts, it's, you're just throwing darts at that point. You're like, I think this could be it. Maybe, possibly, let's try it.
1: Asking Dr. Google.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. Or like, just move your hands out. Just move your hands in. Just move your feet in. Just move your feet out. And mm. not having any way to test for that. And it's so crazy how once you fix that imbalance or correct that imbalance, Everything up the chain and down the chain is so much smoother. And we'll do things. Uh, so, one of the tests is a single leg step up, front rack single leg step up. And we've had people that can squat. I think our last female was squatting around 220 ish and could lift, you know, 45 pounds on the right leg and 10 pounds on the left leg. And we're like, hmm
1: something might be amiss
0: <laughs> you know and, and we look at that when athletes plateau right mm-hmm. even if we've started them balanced and they've been training for a long time we bring them back and double check like did that old pattern just kick in like
1: or it develop a new pattern
0: right or are you doing stuff outside the gym that you know you don't even realize could be affecting it and now the left leg is straight a little bit stronger than the right leg. So let's go back, let's go back to the step up, let's go back to the Bulgarian split squats, let's go back to the things that develop unilateral strength so that you have continual gains, like you're, you're continually progressing. Yeah.
1: It's important, folks.
0: It's super important.
1: And the other thing too, the other part that is uh, tangentially related to this is that getting away from just a barbell training well, super cool, super fun, super flashy. Very rarely are things in the world barbell shaped.
0: Very rarely do you set up for a deadlift before you lift the dog food off the shelf.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so, having something that's maybe a little bit more compact, maybe a little lower to the ground, different variations of it, different implements, or things like kettlebells. You know, doing two kettlebell lifts is a lot more functional than necessarily a straight deadlift.
0: We just finished two kettlebell front rack wall sit cycle. I got worked,
1: (laughs) I got worked so hard. Hardest you've ever worked standing still, sitting still? (laughs)
0: <laughs> the shake was real. Yeah. The shake was really real. And it was I really enjoyed that cycle. I enjoyed the mental part of that cycle as well, but it was there was some humble pie that I was I was eating and delivering, but eating mostly.
1: Having to yeah. uh dig deep in a new or way that you hadn't in a while to just sit and breathe and hold.
0: Yeah, and it's when we look at so when we're, when we're doing a wall sit or some variation of a hold like that, it's isometric strength, right? It's the isometric hold. And isometrics are where we gain the largest amount of strength, relatively the quickest. Eccentrics, next. Mm-hmm. But you're just sitting there. And it was so crazy how, yes, it's a leg-driven thing, right? A wall sit where you're sitting with your hips and your knees at 90 degrees, back pressed against the wall, is relatively a leg thing. Everybody goes into it thinking it's a leg thing. And my shoulders, my core, my, my everything was over that. Absolutely. <laughs> and we did it in a way that it was like uh, 20 seconds, 20 seconds and then test your max hold. And then we took that max hold weight and we, we dropped back down and we did you know, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50 um, all the way till three 60 second holds. And for most of that people had to come down one. And then we retested their minute hold. I would say the majority of people in the gym went up 10 pounds, if not 15 for some, for a one minute max hold. And the the thing I think people, uh, that surprised people was not only the leg shake, like some people have never sat there for that long and experienced that, but also the ability to hold the kettlebells in the front rack. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of people be surprised at like they, they, it looked like a meltdown. It was just like, and off they went. <laughs> yep. And so having the shoulder and core stability and a lot of that is T-spine strength to hold those, it, that was a magical challenge
1: that we did. Mm-hmm. And playing into that with the, bal- the coming out of our strength balance, Yeah. Um, you talked about the protocol that we were using last week to get up to that of the 20 seconds, 20 seconds, and having dedicated rest in there.
0: Absolutely. So
1: our next pillar in the hierarchy of needs being work to rest.
0: Yeah. And so I think a lot of there's flashiness in high intensity interval training, Mm -hmm. right? Which is basically what CrossFit is. It's high intensity interval training done. There's flashiness in that, just like there's flashiness in a barbell. Like people want to go hard, go fast, Mm -hmm. get out of the gym. And it's not the place you haven't earned the right to start there yet. And you don't even know that you have to earn it. Right. You don't Mm -hmm. even know that you need to go through the flexibility, the mobility, the strength balance, the cardiovascular endurance, um, building time and then learning what's appropriate. Right. So if I'm an endurance athlete doing a, you know, 30 second on 30 second off might be benefit beneficial. And so might five minutes on two minutes off right and so really having the conversations about what your goals are and where you're going and it doesn't have to be an event it could be body composition mm-hmm. i want to lose 15 to 20 pounds is work rest or interval training how do we use that how do we incorporate that and and where do we go with it
1: how do we make a plan around your rest as well yeah instead of Willy nilly. Well, I got a set done. Gonna check my phone.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I should probably
1: do another set. Um, being being able to set that intent, it's being able to set that when you start your training for the day or for the week, knowing what your rest intervals may look like, and being able to know, like, okay, I have a focus here. Sometimes it's fun to go in and just lift lift things and do some work, but. When we're looking at getting targeted results or getting towards our goals, even if that targeted goal is to live a healthy life, keeping that ratio in check is really important.
0: Yeah, and I think something that we find this in two ways, especially for our like what well, as we start to incorporate strength, right without a designated rest period. So a lot of our our lifting might be like five sets, rest two, 2.30, or um, every two minutes and 30 seconds you hit a set. And we see one of two things. We see like what Jeremy talked about, the, hey, I'm gonna grab my phone, and, and then it's been five minutes or we see the person that hasn't allowed the muscle to recover and so it's do a set rest, that felt like a minute, really it's been 20, 30 seconds and they're back for another set and that muscle hasn't had the chance to relax and then they, they can't figure out why they can't put any more weight on the bar. Right. And so allowing the tissue time to recover, allowing uh, your, your sympathetic nervous system to come down a little bit from that stress,
1: the energy systems to catch up with whatever you just spent.
0: Yeah. Use whatever food you've put in it <laughs> and and then hit another set. And it's, it's fun to watch. I, it's one of my favorite things to watch when people realize the importance of rest. So I think we have for the, the training that we do and in the environment that we have, we have more people that given the, the time, if we've set a 20 minute clock and you have to do five sets, we have a lot of people that would be done in five minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh, when, when they realize how good a set feels with a two minute rest, a 2.30 rest, and what they're able to lift. It's like one of my favorite moments is when that connection is made. Mm -hmm. It's just like the little mind blown guy, they're like, that was so much easier. You're like, yeah,
1: rest. (laughs) Easier, and sometimes you're lifting more.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely, and it's, it's, you're making the five pound jumps that are requested by your coach, or Mm -hmm. you're able to do those things. And it's fun to see how it's, it's just so fun to see that reaction for me. And to see like, as they start out, you know, they were the five minute and 20 minute set person and then it's usually about year one one and a half of their training cycle you're like hey you gotta hit the last set you you gotta go
1: it's going too long now (laughs) bring it back find the middle ground
0: yeah and I would say the majority of our our lifting is done on a clock so they know Mm -hmm. it's not they don't typically just have 20 minutes to figure it out but it's it's a fun journey to to watch for for people that come in yeah and we can talk about work rest for a lifting standpoint. We can talk about work rest from a conditioning standpoint, from a cardiovascular standpoint. And both are equally as important. And a lot of times we want to sprint when we need to jog. And we talk a, a, we talk a lot about the, the art in 70%. And there's a misnomer out there that you have to go hard and fast and fall on the ground and be dead in order for it to be considered if you're beneficial. Not given 100%, you're given
1: 100 percent; you're given zero percent or whatever the cliched yeah. sayings are.
0: Yeah, and if you listen last last episode, we talked about uh, load versus capacity. And so when we look at our everyday member that comes in that has the family, has the nine to five, has, you know, the spouse, the work, the home, the everything that's under the curtain, and we're trying to go 100% every single day, there's 0% left for recovery. Mm -hmm. Right. And once the body starts to wear down, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but let's just say you went to a concert or something on, on Saturday, it's usually Monday or Tuesday before you're like, okay, we're back to life. Right. If you had a late night, maybe had a couple drinks, had some fun, just kind of let go. It's usually like two to three days before the body is ready to like do anything super hard and fast. If you do that on Friday or Saturday and you come into the gym on Monday and you're like I'm gonna tell my brain no and go hard or tell my not listen to my body at all and just push
1: shut off live in the pain cave
0: yeah Yeah. you can delay that recovery you won't you actually won't become fully recovered and you're doing that day in and day out and that's when we start to see health things start to break down and it's just living in that constant state of fatigue and and inflammation
1: Mm -hmm. and that can be the time that, you know, out of nowhere, just get sick for some reason. Oh, I caught this cold. <laughs> I haven't had a cold in years. I don't wonder what, what might happen. I don't know.
0: Uh, that's my favorite. I got sick. I got sick two weeks later. A month later, I got I got a cold. I don't know what's going on.
1: Yeah, uh, something going around, I guess.
0: (laughs) It has nothing to do with the fact that I don't have an immune
1: system anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just suppressed. Continuously beating it over the head with a hammer (laughs) and hoping it can survive.
0: I don't know where it went. And that is something that we we talk about in 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 that making sure that you're fully supporting the system. I did it myself this weekend. I knew my body wanted nothing but rest on Sunday and my brain wanted nothing but to go mountain biking. And so I went mountain biking and I knew, and today I'm like, yep, there it is. And it's it's the same response and slightly different when you know, Mm -hmm. right? So now I know the rest of my week of training is gonna be at 50 to 60% till I can get caught back up, till my rest feels good, till I wake up and I feel like, ooh, there might be an extra rest day in there.
1: Have you found it? So I'm, I'm, I'm going on a limit and assuming that I know, that was- I saw,
0: I saw the light bulb click across the table. Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> and saying that, that that was maybe a difficult thing for you to do at first.
0: Oh, that would not have happened. Yeah. Yeah, no. I if five year ago me would feel this tired and chalk it up to like, stop being a wuss, Mm -hmm. 100%.
1: What does that feel like now? Like, does that bring any, like knowing that you can come into your training this week and hit that 50% and be okay with it. What's the difference like for how you feel about that?
0: What it has taught me is that it's going to allow me to train I can still train every day. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna have the things that we just kind of giggled about. I'm not gonna have the cold. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna have the the random pain in my right knee that comes out of nowhere, quote unquote, right? I'm not gonna have that breaking point. And I, like for me personally, I'll just kind of walk through. So we had a, a train on Friday. I think I did something on Saturday. No, Saturday we just had a full day. Missed a full day of everything. (laughs) My wife and I like to joke that we just keep going hard. And at some point we got to stop going hard. So full day, Saturday, Sunday, my body was like, just stay on the couch. Just please stay on the couch. And I was like, not biking sounds fun. So I I went and I knew I was a little nervous because I was riding with somebody and I was like, ooh, they're going to want to like do all of it. And I'm going to do half of it. And it was, it was right on par. I did the first trail felt great, did the second trail and was like, oh, there it is. The, the little hill climbs were harder. Uh, the endurance was harder. The push was not there. By the third trail, I was sucking some serious wind. It was, the leg burn was pretty intense going up and down hills. So I knew I was kind of there. And uh, thankfully we just ended up having a conversation, having a lot of fun and called it a day then driving home, felt like the endor- the endorphin rush, felt great, right? Like I was like, woo, that was super fun. Woke up on Monday because I coach early classes. So woke up early and it was like, I can tell the moment I get out of bed now. Woke up and I was like sluggish and didn't want to do it and just had that general like bleh feeling. Decided to train yesterday, trained at a lower percentage. Um, just was like, I'm going to use this. It was like a 15 minutes of kind of some hamstring and core work. I'm just gonna move through, not try to be super crazy. Woke up today, still felt like today was like I could sleep for a day. And so now I know if I choose to work out today, it's gonna be body weight, if it requires a a dumbbell to do the movement it's going to be super lightweight and there's going to be a lot of like really focusing on my hydration because I know that's a thing for me because I don't love water so focusing on my hydration today and focusing on moving my body a little bit more and that means like getting up from my desk and touching my toes doing like a Sunday yoga flow for like five seconds five minutes just allowing the tissues to like hey it's okay I'm gonna be kind to you mentally uh, that took me about a year to get to that mental shift has been challenging and what I've noticed in the end is my body feels so much better so the the risk reward if we're looking at it that way the reward is so much higher for allowing myself this day or two that I need to, to come back to life.
1: I'm assuming also that it is can be a bit free to be freed from that pressure of, well, I have to get in and I have to go hard. It's knowing f- that you're going to feel like crap afterwards.
0: Yeah, it's freeing and knowing that it's a consistent choice. Mm-hmm. That was the big game changer for me is like, I have the choice and I have the choice to feel good. And that's what my training has shifted towards. I've gotten it took a long time to beat the competitive athlete mindset out of me, the the like and I use that jokingly, but like I would say it's more like loving the side of me that that was not a competitive athlete, right? And allowing that part to come through. And that doesn't mean that I'm not competitive at times. That just means that 70% of my training is in the like, let's train, let's move, let's get better at this skill. So yesterday in my training, there were depth jumps. And for me, jumping is still, the mental piece of it is still really, really high. I'm gonna jump, I'm gonna screw up a knee, I'm gonna do something weird's gonna happen. It's not but my brain is telling me all kinds of stories about that.
1: Right? So, ooh, ouch, yeah. watch out.
0: I'm on a flat surface and I was doing a jump jump from a 45 pound plate, which is four inches tall. I'm not depth jumping from a 30 inch box. No. <laughs> it was a 45 pound plate. And I still have the mental chatter around it. And so something that has been fun is prove yourself wrong. Prove yourself that it's not gonna hurt. So just Do it. And that with the the just kind of flowy cardio yesterday has been been perfect. And it's been fun to start to focus on, instead of constantly bypassing the things that I would bypass, so bypassing the jumping, bypassing the running, bypassing the things like that, allowing myself to slowly incorporate it in. Mm -hmm. And proving to myself that my body's okay. And most of the time, it's better than okay. Yeah. yeah. And
1: that's huge to realize.
0: Yeah. And that actually tops our triangle because the the top of the triangle is skill. And so for me having... I've been an athlete my entire life. To say that I'm relearning how to jump feels weird. And I'm relearning how to jump. You know, I'm relearning how to jump with knees that have had six surgeries. I'm relearning to jump with... Uh, a body that is not 25 years old, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know? And so at every point in life, I think there's the opportunity to unlearn and relearn. Yeah.
1: And that goes for any type of movement. It goes for any type of skill period. Yeah. There are times where we we maybe feel like we've gotten stuck with our progress. Mm -hmm. And if we've addressed all these things below the skill aspect, we can always come back and relearn skill retool it and make sure that that's also not a limiting factor to get to the absolute apex of that pyramid
0: absolutely because one of my other skills that i want to practice or that i do practice is rock climbing and so can i hold a, a chin over the bar hold for 20 to 30 seconds and can i breathe in it because if I can do that in the gym in a controlled environment, then holding the rock with my right hand while I clip the rope becomes less scary. I have proved to myself that I can do this for thirty seconds in a very safe environment. Mm-hmm. Now can I do this for ten seconds out in an unknown environment? And I think that's the piece that's a lot of people overlook is the gym is your controlled environment. Right? It's the it's the safest place to move Mm
1: -hmm.
0: for the most part. Like it is, you have a professional coach, you're learning the skills, Every like the floor is flat, the weights are the same weight, they're balanced. When you get outside the gym and you start playing in things, that's the transfer, right? Absolutely. That's where you might do 230 pounds with a completely symmetrical barbell in a full depth squat on a flat surface. You take your backpack out camping and it's 60 pounds on uneven terrain and you need to squat down and pick something up.
1: And it's loose in the backpack and shifting around on your back. and
0: Yeah, and you've got water sloshing and probably walking your dog at the same time who's pulling, right? That's where that skill transfer comes in it's not squatting necessarily to get strong in the gym, which is a great thing if that's what you want to do. It's also so that when you go out and do those things, that transfer is there. And yes, it's a lot less weight. And also it's not a perfectly flat three quarter inch rubber floor. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not all of those other factors. And so that's where the skill part can come super beneficial. Like I said, with rock climbing, if you're able to hold a 30 second chin over the bar hold, that 10 seconds that I need to clip the rope, no big deal. Yeah.
1: And it continues to be not a big deal.
0: And then you look at the mental part of that. If I can breathe for 30 seconds with my chin above the bar, when it's, you know, 40 feet above the ground and I've got my feet on these little rocks, these little pegs, I can also use that same breath transfer out there to stay calm and stay in control yeah
1: awesome quick recap on our hierarchy of needs let's do it at the base we have flexibility mobility and then going up to our strength balance work and rest and at the top we have our skills it's
0: a beautiful triangle yeah
1: absolutely and it helps us to guide our athletes. It also helps us to guide our own training. And we hope that this also helps you to be guiding your own training as you move forward yeah. in whatever you are doing.
0: And looking at where did you start on the triangle and having the humility to go back, right? If, you, if you've skipped flexibility, if you've skipped mobility and you went straight to uh, high intensity or skill like where can you come back and build your base? Because you can go back and build the base while you're still working on those mm-hmm. things.
1: It's always a process.
0: Yeah, it doesn't have to be like, you know, I'm only doing my flexibility for the next nine months and then I'm going to do my mobility for the next six months. It doesn't have to be that way. No. You can go back and put, put bricks in the foundation as you're or building. Or
1: you may find also as the time goes on that well, we, we took care of a lot of this stuff and we've been working on skills and all of a sudden out of nowhere, my ankle mobility just left me. Yeah. Or because of all of the changes that you've been making. Yeah. That something new has adapted. Yep. And that requires another, another training plan to adapt to those adaptations.
0: Absolutely. There is no end goal. It's a consistent, fun little tweak here and there. hmm Yeah. Awesome.
1: Well, thank you again for listening to us this week. Uh, we will be back next week, as always, here on the Ice House Fit Podcast.
0: Have a great week, everybody.